Hey, what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is a podcast about anything and everything that can drive a sane person stark raving mad. It could be about news, sports, weather, the bus, the train, crackheads, giant umbrellas in the rain. We're not talking about any of that shit because we are checking in with Lincoln Mitchell, uh, New York City, coronavirus, COVID, whatever you want to call it, global pandemic check-in, just to see uh, how... Uh, he's getting by, any insights he has on the clusterfuck of these press briefings and where the government is going and what's going on with the election. And we didn't even get too much into the potential of an election. We really just focused on life and how we're getting through and where we're going and where we could see ourselves going and where we could see the country going. And he talked more than I did because of uh, this, the current state of uh, my voice, uh, which I explain a little bit more in the in, in the actual podcast where we talk to Lincoln, but yelling at people, walking past you, running past you, or biking past you without wearing any mask or wearing the mask on their chin, like the woman that I walked by who had the mask on her neck while she was blowing on her cup of coffee to cool it off that she had gotten from the bodega, is, is just really walking around in your own clueless, ignorant-as-fuck bubble of... I really have no idea what the fuck is going on. You clearly knew enough to put a mask on, but you're going to stand there and and walk on a sidewalk and blow on your coffee to cool it off. Maybe keep the lid on your coffee and keep your coffee closed until you get somewhere where you can fucking drink it without A, having to maybe spill it all over yourself, or B, having to blow on it to cool it off. And so I yelled at her. I'm like, why the fuck are you blowing on your goddamn coffee? As I was walking by, the dude that ran up behind me in the park, yo, if you're a runner, you have the right of way. If you're coming up on my blind side, like biking, a little on your left, on your right, up coming up behind you is a common fucking courtesy before the fucking pandemic. You let somebody know you're passing close to them, near them, behind them, especially now. Why the fuck are you going to come two feet away from me when you're running past me? You can choose a different fucking path. I don't see you behind me. I can't get out of your fucking way. And then I tell you to put on a fucking mask and you tell me I'm the problem? I'm the asshole? No, sorry, bro. You're the fucking asshole. You're the one running. I'm not telling you to run with a mask on, which I think is really hard. But if there's a lot of people around, you need to be conscious of that. You need to, it is more of like an obstacle fucking course now, walking, running, trying to work out outside. It is literally a human obstacle course. And you need to be the one that is participating in avoiding the fucking obstacles. And those obstacles are people that don't want you anywhere the fuck near them. So if you, I cannot see you behind me, dickbag, and you are running up on me, run the fuck six feet past me. Pick a side, right or left. On your right, on your left. I don't have headphones in. I'm walking my dog, which has a six-foot fucking leash, so I know how far six feet is. And, and then pass me that way. Don't run up behind me. And then when I say asshole, put on a mask. Why are you so fucking close? You turn around and look at me like I'm the asshole. Sorry, bro. You're the asshole. And you're the reason we're going to be fucked in this situation even longer than necessary. Because you think the world clearly only revolves around you. So go run your ass back in your house and stay the fuck there. Because you're not helping. I'm no medical expert, but that is not helpful. And that is, that is all I have to say about why my voice, see, and this is why my voice is so hoarse, because you can't not get angry. 
And I know people that keep that inside. I know people that don't say anything to people, but they get just as frustrated and just as angry that they when when that situation presents itself, which it does on these New York City sidewalks, because there's not a fuck lot of room as there is on any day to avoid people. I used to cross the street when somebody was smoking a cigarette. 10 feet in front of me because I think it's disgusting and I don't want to breathe that shit in. Or when people were vaping and they were walking ahead of me, I would cross the fucking street. I would go out of my way to avoid you. Now, everybody is going out of their way to avoid every fucking body. Most people, unlike this asshole who thinks that the world revolves around him and he's going to run wherever the fuck he wants, when he wants, without a mask because he doesn't give a fuck. And then you think to yourself, because you don't, you're like, I hope you fucking catch this shit, and I hope you fucking drop dead. And does that make me an asshole? Maybe. But you can't tell me other people aren't thinking that. Go drink your fucking Trumptini. Go ingest some bleach. Keep running around without a fucking mask while the rest of us are sitting here doing what we have to do to protect other people, including ourselves. This is not about being selfish. That motherfucker could potentially kill people. His own family, even. But I'm the asshole for yelling at him to wear a mask. Fuck out of here, bro. But my friends won't yell. Some people won't yell. Some people won't say anything. They'll just keep walking. They'll keep it all inside and they'll vent and deal with it another way. That's how I process shit. I'm going to tell you. Put some shit. Put a fucking mask on. I will tell you. I don't give a fuck. And that's your goddamn problem. Tell me that you can't see what's going on. Everybody's out here wearing masks because it's fucking fashion statement. Fuck out of here, bro. I do my laundry in a five-gallon fucking Home Depot bucket in my goddamn bathtub. This ain't a fucking fashion statement. This shit could be potentially life or death. I don't fucking know you, bro. I'm not fucking with that. And that's basically where we go on the rant. So I'm going to stop and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not talk anymore. And you'll hear that a little bit in the beginning of the rant with Lincoln, why I tell him why my voice is hoarse. So if it sounds repetitive, I apologize in advance. But without any further, without any further ado, here is, here is our conversation from 10 blocks away uh, about how we are getting through this stage of the pandemic and what we think about politics and that brief little thing. And, you know, just a huge, just a little chit chat, little ranty rant with Linky. Let me start because let me just start by saying that we're socially, physically distancing. We're on FaceTime like the last time. I haven't, I haven't seen you in the park, so I missed you. And my voice is hoarse from screaming at people in the park and on the way to the park that refuse to wear a mask and that, refu- that can for some reason not calculate six feet. Or when I start to move away from you, you need to stay, stop moving towards me. So my voice is hoarse because I have been screaming. And you need to now, uh, we could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about why I was watching the press briefing and why you tweeted at me as to why I was watching that crap because it's a car accident. Are you done smushing the phone around? Yeah, I'm just getting my water. Okay, get your water because I'm still going to talk about what we're going to talk about because I can't stop. Once I did not watch the press briefing for a few days and then once I started watching, it's like a car accident that you can't look away from because when you think that it possibly just cannot get any worse or degrading or misogynistic or irresponsible or just fucking clusterfuckery of stupidity. It, it goes down that road and you, you just, it's mind numbing. It's jaw dropping. It's unbelievable. And it's rage, rage inducing, anger inducing, fear inducing, just all of those things. 
And we could talk about Kim Jong-un. We could talk about how we're going to reopen New York City and states that are reopening that every tweet on the Twitterverse is like, it's too fucking early. So I don't know where you want to start, but it is a buffet of shit we can talk about. You have your plate and uh, you're allowed to, you know, start getting your food. (laughs) Well, I mean, there is a lot going on. (laughs) That's an understatement. Go ahead. And... I am on some almost morbid level fascinated by this process of staying at home and sheltering in place because it is among the most counterintuitive things that people have been asked to do on a large scale. Um, You know, there is this sense of, you know, if you live in a war zone, right, um, and you are have to stay in place because a bomb might fall or something like that, or, or there might get sniped, that if you have to run out for food or bread or something, or rice, that when you make it home, you're safe again. But of course, now when you run out, you don't know if you're safe again. I mean, one of the, one of the, the reasons why, the reason why we stay home is just two sides of the same coin. One is that you could have the infection and give it to somebody and kill them, right? Right. If somebody runs too close to you or walks too close to you or doesn't have a mask and is three feet away, you could kill them because they're not following those, because they walk too close to you. On the other hand, they could kill you, right? Those are, I mean, now we're not talking about a great likelihood, but significant enough that if you multiply it out to a city the size of New York or a country like the United States, it's, it's thousands and nationally tens of thousands of, death already, of deaths already. But it's so hard for people to process that. I mean, I am struck by, you know, people who I know who can stay home, who are always just, you know, think they're doing it and they're not. And, and on the other hand, that's the nature of kind of the species. That's who we are, right? We're, what we're telling people is not don't move. It's move less. Be more careful. Make fewer trips out. Don't dig, don't dig a hole and, and bury yourself in a hole, Right. And, and this ties into the question of the economy because, you know, we have heard people say we can't, you know, we can't open up the economy because people will die. On the one hand, we make policy decisions all the time that lead to deaths of people. That's what governance is. Governance is about making decisions that are in the best interest of the most people. That's, that's what governance is at its best, Right. That's what governance should be. It's not what we have. But it's, so any decision has to be approached that way. So, for example, if we knew that if we never went outside, uh, you know, we'd have 10 fewer deaths a year, we wouldn't do it, right? If we knew that, that, we, that staying at home would save 2 million lives, we would do it. You know, and if most you play with of us, numbers, most of us would do it. Most there's... of us. But the, the, the fundamental problem here is that there's just so much uncertainty. And so right now, I mean, for, for, for up until very recently, was the, the president and, and even many nonpartisan experts were saying, well, we're projecting 60,000 deaths nationally. Late last week, that number got, the number of actual deaths got to around 50,000. Now it's higher than that. Well, we're not having 60,000 deaths. We're going to have more, unfortunately. And I would be very surprised if that number comes in over 80. Um, and that, that projection of 60, which was down quite a bit from the initial one, came about because people were social distancing so well. As people social distance less, that number will go up. And the problem is we don't really know how high it will creep up. 
And, and it's going to creep up really fucking high because these places are reopening way too soon. And he stands there and says, we made good decisions. People, <laughs> There are reporters that are pressing him, like Olivia Nuzzi, who was like, listen, does a person who is responsible for the deaths of 55,000 people in some way or another deserve to be reelected? And the guy pivoted immediately to like, we make the best decisions. I single-handedly built the greatest economy in the world. And when everybody doesn't get up and just walk out on that, it's mind-boggling. I mean, I think the coverage of the president has been terrible from the beginning because every press conference, even before this started, right, the headline is mentally ill president makes rambling, dishonest speech. That's all that you should say. That can cause that 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 could potentially lead to the death of people because there have been the uptick in the calls to poison control centers that have been documented right. after this idiot tells people to go inject or ingest disinfectant, which is again, these are not as bad as the Tide Pod challenge was with kids that are like, I'll eat a Tide Pod. How bad could it be? It could be pretty fucking bad. This is a grown ass man with other people around him that at at, at some point no one stood up and said. That's deadly. That's a deadly idea, dude. Like, maybe stop. Right. And that was the moment where Dr. Burks should have said, I'm out. She should have said, she should have stood up and said. sure. Do not, you know, but but the amount of, and, and, you know, every, the 25th Amendment is never going to be invoked. Let's just recognize that. But the 25th Amendment involves the cabinet making a decision, not the Senate. And every member of that cabinet who has not, called for this. Every member of the Senate who has not called for this, who's a Republican, has blood on their hands. Then you could argue that Donald Trump is not as bad. Whatever you could argue, you cannot argue that he's mentally fit for this job. He is exhibiting the behavior of someone who is deeply, deeply and malignant, malignantly mentally ill. And and to to not see that out of fear of losing an election, which is what this comes down to, and let's be clear, I think I've said this to you before on the podcast, but if you're Lindsey Graham, just to pick one of these people, losing, a lot, losing, a lot, losing your job means maybe making three times as much money, right? So, you know, losing your job if you're Lindsey Graham means making three times as much money, not working as hard, being set financially for the rest of your life. It's not the hardship of somebody who was working in a restaurant as a, as a bartender or a waiter and lost their job because the restaurant shut down and can't make rent. What they do when they lose, what they lose is the status. So Lindsey Graham and all of these other people are putting, are sentencing tens of, are complicit in the deaths of tens of thousands of Americans because they don't want to give up a title. And we should be very clear about that because anybody who takes the side that this president is mentally fit to be president right now is complicit in the cover-up of his mental illness, which is manifesting itself in a way that is killing people because he can't even get up and say, I was wrong about a disinfectant, injecting disinfectant. I don't know what I was thinking. Please do not do that. That's all I needed to say. But he can't, that, he, can't stop, he can't stop himself from wanting to bring West Point cadets and graduates back for a photo op. And I know. he can't. People, and, I mean, and, 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 you know, significantly, he sentenced people. I mean, this encouraging people to liberate, you know, whatever state they're in. Those, some of those people are already getting the disease and they're spreading it. What he did was he told people, go get this disease and bring it back to your communities so that I can feel better about but myself. It's, but then it's the feel. onus of the governors. Then it's like Greg Abbott and Kemp and all of these other people to say, you're a fucking whack job. We're not doing that. 
you can say whatever you want on TV. You could do what you want, but you can't govern my state. Right. I mean, it is. It is. I, I'm puzzled by this because to understand why you don't just open up now requires, you know, a, a, a decent middle school understanding of math. But it doesn't require much more than that, right? I mean, God. Rudy Giuliani, who has really gone off his rocker, was said, "Well, we don't trace people. Why don't, if we're going to trace, do tracing because of this. Why don't we trace people who have, you know, cancer? And, well, it's because cancer is not contagious, right? I mean, these are basic principles, and they have gotten themselves so stuck in that all that matters is making the liberals look bad." You know, winning, getting applause on, getting you know a few more tweet retweets from from you know MAGA people, that they will say anything, and then thousands of people are dying, and and when this spreads to rural America, it will be worse, not better, because at least here in New York we have hospitals. Right, but the toll that it's taking is is ridiculous. Like this stupid Blue Angel. No disrespect to the Blue Angels, but really there needs to be a flyover. That's a good use of some that the money, the risking of the lives of the Blue Angels. Any of the people that they're flying over for are actually going to come out of the hospital in all of their PPE that is so that that is so hard to come by to then have to change into new PPE because they've walked out in into the street to go look at some fucking planes flying overhead and clap and then who's coming? To New York to watch the planes fly overhead. It's right. the it dumbest is- fucking shit. One of, the, one of the harder things to understand about this pandemic is how the Trump administration has so profoundly and deeply screwed up absolutely everything. Yes. Everything. Everything. From, from the messaging to the supply lines, from the testing to the disinformation, from changing the subject so that we don't have to talk about it to to cons- to trying to keep people d- d- dying cruise ships so the numbers don't add up, right? I mean, the depths of this, and, and, and it's almost so extreme that if you simply state those facts, it sounds like the rantings of a left-wing lunatic. If you simply state in plain English the things that they have screwed up, it sounds like the ranting of the left-wing lunatic, right? Pulling our doctors out of China, where they worked with the Chinese medical people to know what was going on there. Canceling the pandemic office every step of the way. And I actually think that works to Trump's benefit, because if he'd done one or two things wrong, we'd have a discussion about one or two things. But he's done so many things wrong, we can't even discuss it. There's just too many. And, and you know, the, the, the reality of the that, you know, we are now at... This has killed more than 10% as many people as we lost in World War II. It will be at about eight, one-eighth pretty soon, in much less time. I suspect, and you know, the latest, I just saw the headline in the Times, but I think we talked about this, or I talked about this with somebody, that what you really, the, the way you really measure the impact of a, something like this is not how many people died and, you know, you wrote COVID-19 or the doctor wrote COVID-19 next to the, the their death certificate. It's how many people would you expect to die over this period? Not to be morbid, but you right. know, Americans do die every day, right? Not the same Americans, but different Americans die every day for different reasons. So if you know that typically, I'm going to make the number up, you know, um, 20,000 Americans die every day of just whatever, whether that's car accidents, homicide, old age, cancer, disease, whatever. And today you had 30,000. Again, it wouldn't be that dramatic, but let's just say you had 22,000 today. And because of population growth, you might have predicted 20,500, right? Mm. So that death is 1,500. 
That's the death. I would argue that's the death you want to measure due to the pandemic, because there are so many ways people die here that don't get measured. So, for example, just think about this, because this is this is the scale of the of the human catastrophe here. Somebody goes in the hospital with the respiratory. They, they diagnose them with that person. It's most most likely him with COVID. He can't recover and he dies. OK, that's clear to understand. Right. Someone gets to their house, their, their, their family member calls, he got very sick very fast, I'm very worried, please, I'm calling 911, please help me. They send an ambulance, by the time they get here, that person's dead, right? That happens too, and they say, okay, it's, we tested, it's COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's someone who's 65 and has some heart trouble, they die. Not really sure what it is, it might have been the liver, it might have been the heart. Well, we don't know. But that person may have died of COVID and didn't get to the hospital because the hospitals were backed up in New York, right? Someone else has a minor heart attack and just doesn't, thinks, I can't go to the hospital, it's too crowded. Then they get worse and die, right? Someone gets in a car accident, gets backed up in the emergency room, whereas previously they would have gotten injured but not dead. So when you add all of that up, right? Now, now, now the response is that, well, these are, these people, you know, some are older, some are younger, so not every death is equal, fair enough. But just in terms of actual deaths, I suspect that if you did that equation today, based on the last few months of this crisis, the number would be considerably higher than the roughly 55, 56,000 that CNN, which is a pretty good count on this, has projected. When all is said and done, it's going to be considerably higher. And that is, you know, the, 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 if you go back, even if you read the, the, the founding documents of this country, our democracy is set up to, the, the primary job of the president is to really not let any catastrophe happen. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> and this president has, has failed in that, and he's exacerbated it, right? You know, George W. Bush was a little bit asleep at the wheel around September 11th. He was warned. They decided not to ignore, to not to pay attention to those warnings, that, that um, they were told that al-Qaeda might be making an attack on a large building in the United States. Somehow they didn't think that was relevant, so they ignored it. Okay. But that was only once, right? This is every day. Yeah. We're at about two-thirds of the number of people who died September 11th are dying every day now in the United States. That may go down a little bit in the next few days. It seems to be leveling off. We hope it is. But it, this is an enormous catastrophe. I think, I think it's because it's one of the doctors that's on the front lines in New Orleans made a really good statement. He's like, when Katrina came through, Katrina was bad. We saw the devastation. We saw the houses. We saw the damage to the environment. We saw the damage to the community. Everybody could see that with their eyes. The Here, people in certain places don't see it. Right. So they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't register. Like, I don't. Which is what frustrates me because everybody here, most people here see it or hear about it and yet still make a conscious choice to ignore it. And I had this conversation with Franklin. It was interesting because everybody has their own way, I guess, of rationalizing what they, how they handle it, how they social distance, what they deem acceptable, what they're willing to right. do, where they're willing to go, who they're willing to see. You know, she asked me and it was very good. She said, would you get on your bike and ride downtown? to go see one of your friends in the East Village and and they're on their stoop and you're on the curb on your bike. And I honestly answered, I said, you know, right now, probably not because, not because I don't want to go see my friend because I'm desperate to like see people, but I wouldn't get on my bike because my thought would be, my first thought would be, what if God forbid I have an accident on my bike? And then somebody has to come help me or I break my arm or I break my leg or I bang my head and I have a concussion. Exactly to your point of not wanting to go to the hospital or not even wanting to put first responders. Like, 
to have to worry about taking care of my stupid ass because I was bored sitting in my house. And I think what we're getting to now with the warmer weather and them opening up the streets, 100 miles of streets in New York City, which is what they talked about this morning, the city council guy, is that people are getting like quarantine fatigue. Is what they're calling it. And they're really, like, relaxing what their own anxiety would be preventing them from doing because they're fucking bored or they want to go outside or it's a sunny day. And they're like, fuck it, I can't stay inside forever. And, and you know, I mean, I, there's another piece here, which is when school gets out in New York. In other words, a lot of parents of younger kids have, you know, uh, remote learning fatigue. It's exhausting. I mean, my kids are older, but if you have a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old yeah. or something like that— you're, you're working at home, you're trying to do your job, you have limited space, and your child, who is, tr- even if your child is in good faith trying to be in school, uh, the internet connection is bad, or I can't understand this, or I should go to my Zoom class now, or I'm, you know, but once that ends, right? Then what? Then you're going to, so, but. What are you going to do with your kids? Like, your kids are older. I think they, they are somewhat more responsible, but would you, I think I would be more hesitant to be like, you know, don't. Well, so, so wait, wait, I just want to add one more, one more thought, then I'll get to my kids. Go ahead. But also, like, you know, I have this ferocious dog who has to be walked <laughs> six times a day or else she mauls us. And, and I, you know, every time I go off my block, I mean, I typically take her out twice a day, once in the morning and then, and then once in midday, and then my kids or Marta will take her out the other times. And my second walk with her, I don't leave my block. You're better than me. I don't even leave my building. I go right up to the roof. You have a backyard. I would just open the door and be like... No, but the reason is I don't, if my block is not very trafficked and I walk down the middle of the street because there's no cars here unless there's ambulances or delivery people. So, but every time I go further than that, like if I had to go, um, I had to go to the pharmacy from time to time. Um, I had to, at one point I needed to go to the grocery store, which I tried to avoid doing, but I had to get some things. And then I had to deliver some things to my, to my aunt when she was sick. Someone breathes on me in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable every time I leave the house. If I go to the park for a longer walk, I mean, if you get there early enough, everyone's pretty good at the dance, but not everyone is always. Let me tell you, people are getting there earlier because I was there this morning and it by by 6.30, way more people started creeping up on the hill. And I even said to Michelle, I was like, "It's when eight people are too many people in New York right. City, my first thought is, how the fuck am I going to live here for the rest of my life if I can't be around eight people? Well, there's the other question there, Randy, is is that the reason that we like living in New York or other cities like San Francisco, which is the other second densely most yes. popular, is that is we like doing things here. So you like going to the park and making friends with new people. You like going to Amrita and hanging out. You like going to your neighborhood this, your neighborhood that. Well, if those things become more difficult, more, t- more time-consuming, more expensive, why don't we all just move to the suburbs? But who the hell wants to live like that? And that's a very environmentally degrading way to live. It's very bad for the environment. So... So this is a real quandary. I, I, so, but, but so, so my sense is I try to go out as little as possible. And I know that I'm kind of on the high end of that. I know that I kind of am more, more hardline than most people. But, you know, I, I'm okay with that. You know, as far as my kids, I mean, I'm, I'm very worried. I mean, my, my older son is finishing the semester in college uh, here, but he's doing it through Zoom, you know, online. And he doesn't know what he's doing in the summer. He has plans he'd like to do, but they're all, you know, if this, if that. My younger son, after agonizing, decided that he was going to go to, um, he wanted to go to UC Santa Cruz next year. So he's very happy. I think that's a great school. And that's a drive in a car across the country because you're not putting him on a plane. Right. I mean, and, and I mean, the good, we're going to sort that out, but, but it won't, it may not be till January, you know? And, and one of the decisive factors, because he was choosing between two UC campuses, 
Um, one was in Southern California. Now, I, I, I think UC Santa Cruz is really a tremendous school, but it's a great school in many ways. But one of the reasons that, that he decided to go there was because in reading about what colleges may do, you may be in a situation where mm-hmm. they may have to like, oh, oh, there's a there's a pandemic now. We have to leave campus, right? And, um, and I figured... I, I, at least that way he can go to his grandmother's house, but he can't actually see his grandmother, right? Right. So my grandmother, his grandmother has a little room on the back where he could go in with a separate key and like he could eat, take out Chinese food or something. I don't know. But like, so, so it is a lot of planning. I mean, what, what, what troubles me is that is, you know, like a lot of people there, he wanted to get a summer job and he was beginning to start looking or beginning to be, well, when all this happened, he was like, how do I start looking? When, when, how do I do to help him start looking for a job? But you can't, I mean, it's just, to be honest, there's not going to be any jobs for, for, for people, right? I right. mean, particularly for the kind of unskilled first, you know, I mean, he's done internships, but, you know, and, and he was talking to people about political campaigns. Um, but, you know, the, the, the lower paid jobs and political campaigns tend to be things like go door to door, right? Well, no one's paying you to go door to door anymore. Listen. Um, not to mention things like waiting on tables or ice cream shop or something like that. It's also so, got to be, look, it's also got to be seasonal. You talk about sending them out to California. They may not have a second wave. I mean, is, is the winter going to be any indication of how, even after places open up early, what is the second wave even going to look like? There's so much unknown that it's, it's it, it literally, like, you can't slam the brakes on what goes on in your head. And I think that that's, right. the, that's the challenge. This is, this is a psychological exercise Correct. for millions of people, one in, in living one day at a time. Right. Yes. I mean, uh, this, the 12-step slogan is really, you can't live your life entirely one day at a time. I mean, that, that, there's some problems with never planning ahead, but you have to live it one day at a time in some respects. And this is an exercise in that. Make it through today, right? So today I have a, a podcast with Randy. Then I have a phone call with someone else, and I have a 2.30 call, and then there's this dude, a close friend in the neighborhood who comes by. He lives a block away. He comes by with his dog. He sits on the sidewalk. I sit on my stoop. That's my social hour. You know, for the, for the, that's my only social interaction. He's a close friend. It's great seeing him, but you know, um, and then and then I have the two thirty call, and then I have you know I know that I have a writing deadline for a piece I'm working on, and you know just get up in the morning and say what do I do, and then and then for me you know what yeah. the self care so you don't get crazy. So one of the policies which I try, which I always break, is after seven p.m. no COVID, no Trump. Oh, right? really? So. Yeah. So read the new, read, uh, I, I will, can I give you a visual? There's not a visual, but if you see, there's a stack of books there, right? Okay. Stack of books. I can. You can? Well, now I'm, lo- now I'm looking out your window, which yeah, is, a, which is a great view. It's great view. It's the street, but here's this. So, you know, these are books that we just ordered. Books are good. And then none of them are about Trump or, or contagion. They're about science fiction. They're about baseball. They're kind of, you know, economics. Um, Disconnecting is a, is is really yeah. really important, I think. And then and then the second psychological exercise is to accept the unknowns. You and I, who between us have, if I'm calculating correctly, I think zero years of medical school. Correct. Oh, <laughs> right. Um, and zero advanced degrees in the sciences. We can't know the answers to these questions, right? We what we can do is is practice good health is to keep ourselves and others healthy and make sure we listen to the right people, right? right? So for example, one of the greatest things you can do, one of the greatest safety risks you can, health risks you can take right now is to watch Fox News. Right. Right. Um, so don't do that. Don't listen to this, um, 
this this orange moron who comes on every day and tells you to put things in your veins yeah. and listen to the real doctors and the real experts and 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 just accept that we just don't know. And I think you have to even do that in small doses because when you do listen to the real doctors and the real experts, it's not, you know, the gloom and doom death knell that it 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 could be, but it really is very uh, disconcerting and really lends itself to that one day at a time because once you read those tweets or check, you know, get your information from wherever you get it, the paper or whatever, you need to then process that and then move on. Right, right. I mean, right, I'm saying, you know, you, I'm saying we, we know what to do to stay healthy. It's, it's, it's a fucking struggle, I'll, I'll tell you. And some days are definitely and, better than others, but... And if you live in a state where, where they say we're opening up on Tuesday or something... You have to make your own decisions. Now, some of those decisions are tougher because if you have a job where you're going to get fired if you don't go in, right. that's a very tough decision. If you are in a school situation, I mean, my son um, here, they were talking about doing a, some kind of a graduation over to the senior high school. And I said, I was on a call with the parents, and I said, you know, a lot of times grandparents like to come with graduations, and uh, that's not great because, you know, yes. and they said, oh, no, 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 we're not doing, like, anything like that. Like, we're doing, like, a virtual graduation. <laughs> like, you know, they might, we might get them to walk by the building, but no parents, no grandparents. So, so that, that, they were acting responsibly. But, but if you're in a school situation where they say you have to go back and you don't feel comfortable sending your kids, you shouldn't. Right. But that's easier for some people to say. I mean, I feel comfortable calling my school, my son's school, and saying he's not going back. He doesn't feel safe. Um, and in fact, my, my, um, you I, know, the week of March 9th, when you and I discussed that previous weekend, why aren't they closing the schools this week back up on the Hill? We right. had that discussion, you know, Ruben came home and he would come home every day and say, why is this, why is our school open? Like he would say to me, what if I, what if one of our teachers gets sick? Because at that time people really felt like, you know, kids weren't, we can't get sick, but the teachers range in age from probably late twenties to sixties. And he said, you know, what if we get one of our teachers sick? Like, can you imagine some teacher at our school dies because of this? He was really like, this is craziness. I don't want to get any... It creates a level of anxiety and response. If you're a normal human being with some level of empathy and compassion, it creates anxiety and psychological trauma. And there... Yeah. I think personally, with with what experience I did have when I was a, when I was an educator in psychology and things like that, kids grow kids right now. Hazmat is worried. Like Dylan is one. He's not socializing with other one and two and three year olds. He's not learning those social skills of how to share, how to fight, how to be around other kids, how to you know he tries to he tries to pet Kircher through the phone and it's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, these kids, these, there are entire groups of kids going through stages of yeah. development that are missing out on really important stages of development. Throughout the human family, right? I mean, because, yeah. because there are one-year-olds, there are, I mean, I have nieces and nephews who are 10, 12-year-olds. They're having a whole different set. I have of, of challenges involving, you know, this is an age when, you know, and I have my own kids who are just desperate to see their friends and, and, and you know, to, to see I mean, they're both straight, so to see girls, I mean, they can't do that, you know? Um, and then there are older people. I mean, I, I at some point today, I FaceTime my mother every day. Now, she's fortunate because she's married and they live, you know, in the same house. They live together, she and her husband. But my mother, um, my mother is, um, sorry, just someone text me something. My mother, like, I call her and she's just sitting at that kitchen table. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like drinking her coffee. But like I said, Mom, have you left that table for, for, for three months? She's like, yeah, of course. But, you know, I mean, 
and, and but but if you're older and alone, this is also very difficult. If you're yeah. younger and alone, so no matter where you are, and if you're if you're stuck at home, like everyone should be, and you know, you know, every you just have to allow yourself that, that, that you're going to get along with the people in your family. You're going to not get along. You're going to feel why am I here alone? Or they're going to feel grateful that you're alone. So so it's this range of emotions, but it's it's kind of more intense and more bound because you can't blow off any steam. You can't meet new people. I can't even imagine. And this is just coming from personal experience of what it's also like for anyone that has any type of like chronic illness or physical disability or any type of challenge where being blind, being deaf, being, right. you know, having, you know, some type of spectrum disorder or being challenge or having, there are a million, millions of other people that also don't even can't need help comprehending and processing and traveling can't understand why they can't go out why they can't see their friends right. why it, it it's 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 my it's mind boggling to me I mean my my brother my late brother who died in 2014 he was mentally ill and he lived the last eh, 15 years of his life in an SRO do you know what an SRO is yeah, me of, me I no because I, of course. Not everyone, like I've said that to people in New York who don't know what it is, but oh. he lived the last 15 years of his life in an SRO in the Tenderloin. Which is a single room occupancy for people that don't understand that you pay right. either weekly or monthly or monthly. daily, depending right. on. In his case, we paid monthly. He, my mom, and he paid monthly. But in an SRO where he didn't have a kitchen, he had um, bath, he did have a bathroom, and he had, and they had shared like a nice kind of downstairs area where he would go and read a book or he liked to play backgammon and, you know, and then he'd go out to eat, like, he couldn't cook, so he liked to get takeout food. And um, when this first happened, I was speaking to my mom, and we both had the same thought, which is, what, how would he experience this? Now, now he's dead, tragically, but there are people who still live in that SRO. I was talking to a guy who was in the, represents that district, or actually one district over from that district in San Francisco. And he, but he's a lot of SROs in his district also. And he was saying, you know, we're terrified of what's going to happen to these people because it's going to spread through an NSRO and hit everyone there. And these people, many of them are old. You know, my brother, had he were alive, would be in a high-risk category because of some of the health issues he had. So, so, you know, and those people are, are, are wrestling with enormous psychological challenges. Of, imagine being cooped up in an SRO where you don't even, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a studio apartment it's also the mental it, – it's also you're dealing with people with schizophrenia that are already right. dealing with issues of paranoia and, like, things right. that – this is a – like, conspiracy theory. I mean, conspiracy theorists don't have to be living in an SRO. There's plenty of them all over Fox News. But the like point the being – right? the point being you're dealing with people that can't comprehend this on any level that then go out into the street and are among high IC that are among, you know, other people and Franklin even had a problem that she was out running and some guy – who was mentally unstable ran over to her and like slapped her on her arm. Like nothing just invaded her space. Clearly didn't understand what was going on was clearly not in his right state of mind. And then she, she, somebody else saw it. They called the cop. You know, what do you do? Do you call the cops? What do the cops even do? He was long gone by the time they did anything. And, he touched her, but then it's like, what's the psychological trauma right. to her from being touched by someone that she and what's doesn't that know? Guy going like, and what's that guy going through? Exactly, because you have to have that empathy and that compassion for that person because you don't know what they're going through. It creates this really – look at the trains, the, the pictures of the subway trains right now that they're thinking of closing down subway lines from midnight to 5 a.m. because 
homeless people are living, right. defecating, smoking, urinating, spitting, you know, living in a subway car with all whatever personal belongings they have. And it is, I mean, not only is it s- such an unfortunate tragedy and travesty that these people can't be taken care of in some way because they're human beings, but it's also how fucking disgusting is that? Like yeah. that they are in their own, not only are they creating filth, they are in their own filth, and somebody has to come and remove them and clean that. But this is a reminder, in my view, yeah. of, of this question of reopen the economy. And what we should be thinking about is rebuild the economy. How do we make an economy that works for people? How do we make an economy? One of, you know, before all this happened, there was a statistic that was also thrown about that, you know, 40% of Americans wouldn't know what to do with an unexpected $500 expense. Well, we all got faced with an unexpected $500 expense. And many of us, many Americans, unfortunately, didn't have. Do we want to rebuild an economy like that? Do we want to rebuild an economy where you've got to work as a barista, drive an Uber, and have a side hustle just to make ends meet? Is that the economy we want to build and not have health care? Maybe instead of reopening something that didn't work for so many people, we should really think about building something that works for more people. That is the lesson that we need to learn from here. That is, And those are the important. people that we need to elect and put into positions right. that are capable of and doing then, you know, that. And, 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 and that is not who we have now. I mean, we have quite the opposite. And that's very troubling. I mean, that, that we are going to... Because one of the problems with simply reopening the economy is we just... We become kind of a, 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 an economic dry drunk, right? We haven't, we've, we've papered it over. We may have stopped the pandemic, but the underlying problems are still there. One of the reasons we have this pandemic is because that people who, it spread so fast, is that people who had symptoms didn't go to doctors because they didn't have health care, right? Right. When we get the vaccine, we will fight over how to give it out because some healthcare companies want to make money. Instead of, I mean, you know, if you go back and look at the numbers, I forget. There's going to be a whole other anti-vaxxer movement. I mean, we. Well, those, those, forget those people because they're nuts. But, but of the people that, that want the vaccine, we need to make it available as quickly and as safely and as kind of large scale as possible. Right. right? That should be the goal, not who can make money. But it will be who can make money. Right. It's already about who can make money. They're already giving the cut. All the contracts went to places that Mike Pence right. visited, that Trump visited. We should have clinics when we get this vaccine where you, where any American can walk in or any non-American who's here because an undocumented person can, can spread this around as much as anyone else. And they say, you know, you know, a nominal or in low-income communities, no fee. You want to get in your doctor's office so you can have a checkup while you're there, fine. You want to get in the CVS, fine. You want to get in the clinic, fine. You want to get the apartment and motor vehicles to set up a temporary office there. You know, you want to get, I mean, get, if we, every day that we get this out, once we get it, we'll save lives. That should be the public policy challenge. How do we distribute this vaccine when you can't, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to be trained to, to administer a vaccine. You can't, not everyone can do it. How do we make sure we have enough trained people? Are we going to create part-time jobs for people to do it? Fine. Get it out the door. There should be not a single person in the United States who doesn't get the vaccine, who, who can't get the vaccine for financial reasons. Because if that person could spread it to people who don't have it, could spread it to people who haven't gotten it yet. So that's the challenge. And we need to think about that kind of an economy, not the economy that is, how can Jeff Bezos be $87 billion, not $88 billion, or whatever it is, you know, or Michael Bloomberg or somebody. And how, you know, and how can we allow companies to screw over their workers 10 different ways till Sunday? 
and then sports, and then bring back sports. That's going to be a shit show. It's just, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I want to be hopeful. I just don't know how it's going to work. The good thing about sports, about being a baseball fan, which is my favorite sport, is that there are virtually an infinite amount of baseball books to read. So, whereas I'm, I really did miss the other day, I thought, wouldn't it be good if baseball was around and I could like read a box score and, and, and see who's having, like, I really did miss that feeling. But there are a lot of books to read. So I'm, that, that's how I get my baseball fix. You're Reading focused, you're focused, Lincoln. You are, you are focused and, and I appreciate that. And it's helpful to hear because when you're, when you're not that focused, it's, it's hard to, uh, to pick through all this, to pick through all this stuff when you just literally walk, walk outside and I hear the ice cream truck go by and I scream out my window why is the ice cream truck jingle going up and down the block in the neighborhood every afternoon? I have to confess, I went to the grocery store a couple of weeks ago to buy some to buy ice cream because you can't get it delivered because it melts. You can go to the grocery store safely and buy whatever I you did. want, like that. But but no, I'm confessing about the ice cream because oh. I, I, I had. Are you? Eight, you're not supposed ice, to have ice cream, are you? Well, some vegan for me and some regular. Oh, ice cream okay. No, and some bananas because I yeah the doctor told me to eat bananas every day, um and. Uh, and, and something else. And the woman looked at me because it's the middle of a pandemic and my eight pints of ice cream. <laughs> and, and don't said, judge. Don't judge me. Don't I judge said, me. I it's not all for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sheltering with three other people. It's all right. You feel like you have to explain your purchase away. It's, well, it, you know. That should be the least of our problems. But yeah. I think uh, I think it's going to be an interesting next couple of months as we head into the summer and it gets hot and people don't have air conditioning and everybody wants to be outside and people want sun and people don't know what to do with their kids. Not everybody has a terrace. Not everybody has a roof. Not everybody is close to a park. And I, in my non-medical experience opinion, I think we're fucked. I'm going to say it now because I I don't want to say I told you so, but I will say I told you so because I know you'll agree. When we're walking on the hill 75 feet apart and we're screaming at each other, I am going to say right now, based on what I've seen in the park in the last week alone, when the weather's gotten nice-ish, it hasn't even been nice. It hasn't been hot like California, where it's a fucking heat wave, and you can't breathe, and you're dripping sweat. We're fucked. We are totally screwed. Yes, and I think we we are, and and we'll leave it at this. I think we are, (laughs) and we are in new and unprecedented ways, so we have something to look forward to. Okay, we'll look forward to it. All right, go make your other calls, and uh, right. thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. And tell everybody in the house I said hi, and uh, maybe I'll catch you tomorrow. I'm going out earlier. I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm going to try to get up early and run tomorrow. It's I'm telling you, Lincoln, you got to be. I'm going to try to get out to the hill by like five thirty because I okay. was done by like six thirty today, and it was it. I will say there were way too many fucking people out for me to say that it was way too many fucking people. Okay, and right now we are switching off every day, Mark and I. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. All right. Maybe I'll catch her then, but I'll, maybe I'll see you tomorrow, okay. but I'll be there dumb All right. early. All right. Bye. Okay. All right. Bye. bye. All right. So I think in order to wrap this up, the takeaway is everybody has to find their own comfort level and what they're comfortable doing and what is the best for them, for their family, for the community, for the neighborhood, for the greater good of humanity. And for everyone, that is something different. And hopefully everyone's differences kind of eventually balance out so that we do come out on the better end of this. And I'm not going to ramble on into anything else because I think we've pretty much rehashed it. We can always get into more politically-based discussions with Linky the next time because there will definitely be a next time. And we're definitely going to check in with Franklin on the West Coast. We already did that, and then it ran. We got so reminiscent 
instead of ranty that it got so long that I had to chop it up and then I couldn't really chop it up. So she doesn't even know that it hasn't even gotten chopped up yet, but she'll know when she listens to this that we have to redo it and we're going to redo it because it was too good of a rant and a reminisce, rambly conversation not to redo. Uh, So we're going to redo that after this and then we're going to jam every night at eight o'clock on the Instagram because that's where the peeps from all over the place come together just to dance and hang out and talk about dinner. And you can find that at 8 o'clock Eastern time on my Instagram at Doodleheads. You can find me in the Twitterverse at Small Pencil Club. Uh, You can find my Fuck Trump Trash on my website and on the Instagram, but I made a web page for it. So if you need a little resistance in your soul, you can go look at all the trash that I've tagged uh, since the beginning of this clusterfuckery, and that is at randylaurenkline.com. Uh, I will put a link in the tweet uh, about the podcast, and we will check in with Mr. Martini and Hamburger Jakey. And you could check out Jake and his dog on his YouTube channel, Jake and Sham, and that is short for Raisin in Armenian. So somebody go Google. I will Google Raisin in Armenian and learn the correct pronunciation of the actual word. It's very cute and it's very adorable about how he is delivering plants to, to family members and checking on people and how people in California are dealing with social distancing and keeping an eye on uh, their own sanity and their friends and family. So I highly recommend going to check out Jake's YouTube channel. Subscribe, like it, follow him. We're also all runners. We're on the Nike Running app. You can uh, join that also if you need a little fitness motivation and if you can get outside and get a run in while being socially distanced and smart. Uh, find us on the Nike Running app. We'll figure out how to tell you how to do that. Uh, you can always just find us on the Instagram. You can find Franklin at fa. F-A-F-R-A-N-Q-L-1-N. Uh, you can just join the damn jam. Just come hang out with us at 8 o'clock. Dance with us. You'll meet all the peeps. Then you can hook up with everybody. I'm not, I can't sit here and spell out everybody's Instagram, uh, Twitter shit. Uh, I need more coffee for that. Uh, so thanks. Listen, the one thing I do know is you can go find Lincoln and his books at LincolnMitchell.com. You could follow Lincoln on the Instagram at Lincoln A. Mitchell and on the Twitterverse at Lincoln Mitchell. Uh, and you could chit chat with him. You could tweet at him. You could send him messages on his Facebook, Lincoln Mitchell minutes, uh, which are very informative and very helpful and provided an insight into every day, uh, topically relevant information on where we're at, where we're going, politics and life. So go follow Lincoln on the Instagram and the Twitter and just come jam with us every night, eight o'clock. It's, it's a good time. And it's a good way to just disconnect, like Lincoln said, and just hang out and party and listen to some music and watch me dance around my apartment like a fool. All right. And, uh, and that's really pretty much it. I'm going to go have some more coffee because like every motherfucking hour is like now coffee o'clock. And, uh, Eventually, I'm going to need to get some more coffee. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for subscribing on Apple Podcast Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, Let us wash your hands, check on your people, wear a mask, be a good human being, pay it forward. Uh, And if you need anyone to talk to, you can reach out to any one of us uh, from the DJ Jam. We're all around. We're all looking out for each other. uh, And... It's all different time zones, so there is someone available for everybody at any time. So if you need someone to talk to, or if you're, you know, having a having a difficult day, or you know, can't seem to uh, motivate or laugh or feel your feelings, and you want to feel your feelings with someone else, you know where to find us. Uh, and until the next time, thanks for listening. Um, peace and hair grease. <laughs>